You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey guys, hope you're doing well. Uh, we are continuing our, our sub-thread symbols, and this week we're talking about bread. And I have to say this off the top, um, this story has bread in it, so it checks the box, all right? Um, when I was thinking about what to uh, walk through this week, as I was looking at some different passages, uh, there was a passage that really stood out to me, and it just barely checks the box of bread. It's not, uh, give us this day our daily bread, we're not going to walk through that type of symbolic nature when it comes to bread, but there definitely is something represented when we talk about this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's only eight verses long, but I I think it holds some really important truths and some important challenges. So we'll get to the bread, but I I just want to walk through the passage uh, verse by verse, section by section. So we're going to start Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Um, A little bit of context on this is that John the Baptist has just been beheaded. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 says, When Jesus heard about it, the beheading of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. Now, Jesus withdrew to be alone. So the first point this week is fully human, fully human. He has, he was fully human. We, he lost a friend and he wanted to get alone to process it. This really doesn't have a lot to do with the rest of this particular message, but it does have everything to do with the God that we serve. What you are going through, what I am going through is not foreign to Jesus. He hasn't spent all of eternity sitting on some cloud eating grapes, just detached from humanity. He came right into the muck. He came right into the mire so that he could relate with his people, so that he could empathize with his people, so that he could sympathize with his people, so that he could actually walk out the lives that we are trying to live. My prayer is that because of that, we would take confidence in the fact that we have not just an all-powerful God, but also an all-understanding God, an all-understanding Father who stepped into our world and experienced what we experience. And that leads us right into the next verse, verse 14. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus had compassion because he knew exactly what they were feeling. He knew what they were needing. He, he knew his people really, really well. And I think that one of the biggest reasons that people do not step into relationship with Jesus is because they do not actually see it as a relationship, but they see it as an obligation. I have a friend, um, and he grew up in a household with um, two different religions represented, um, and two different religions that are fairly legalistic. And so one of the things that he said to me is he said, I'm really hesitant to get into any kind of, um, organized religion because religion just feels like an obligation. And we had a really good conversation and and I had to communicate to him. It's not about an obligation. It's about a relationship. And he walked away from that conversation, not fully bought into the message of Jesus, but more attuned to it because he liked the idea that Jesus was about relationship. So if you have been following Jesus for a really long time, it's about relationship. If you are spiritually unresolved, hear me. It's about relationship. It's not about obligation. So one of the reasons that people don't step into a relationship with Jesus is because they view it as an obligation, not a relationship. 
But I also think for those of us who have been following Jesus for a really long time, that when we get stagnant in our walk, when, when it feels like we've plateaued, when it comes to growing in our relationship with Jesus, I think it's often because we forget that it's about a relationship and we start to look at it as an obligation, that no longer are we excited to go to church because we found this new faith and we're set on fire by some circumstance, or, or maybe it's we're set on fire because we just we just accepted uh, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we've surrendered our lives to him, and so we're just like super pumped. We're going to get to church. We're going to get in our Bible. Like we're just, we're just eating it up. Like it's amazing. But then the longer it goes, the less we look at it like a relationship and more we look at it as an obligation. It's like, oh, I have to go to church or I have to read my Bible because I follow Jesus. So there's this expectation placed on me. Would we be people who are willing to change our perspective, break out of a posture of obligation and into a posture of relationship? Because what would happen if we started treating our relationship with Jesus like a real relationship? Like if he was right here living among us and spoiler alert, he is. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. That through the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to commune with God, to commune with Jesus on a regular basis. So let us not treat God like he is up there, but would we understand that Jesus is right here. He's walking with us. He's among us. We get to speak to him whenever we want to. This is a relationship, not an obligation. So Matthew chapter 14 goes on to say this. The first part of verse 15 says, When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it is already late. So the disciples are just super practical. They just point out the obvious. This place is deserted, and it's really, really late. And I'm sure Jesus was like, Thank you so much. That is that is a really good point, you guys. What what do you got going on? But as we'll see as we walk through this passage, that there's they're, they're pointing out, they're setting the, the foundation for an argument. It's late. We're tired. These people are tired. They're probably hungry. Like they're just just trying to practically set the table for Jesus. They're realistically speaking, and and realistically speaking, the disciples were wrong. Everything that they said was true. But Jesus wasn't interested in about being practical. He wasn't interested in doing something that was expected. He wanted to do something that was anything but expected. The second part of verse fifteen says, "Send the crowds away." This is still the disciples speaking. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the village and buy food for themselves. Send the crowds away so that they can go get what they need from somewhere else. Super easy for us on this side of the story to look at the phrase and be like, what were they thinking? Like, obviously, if they would have just approached Jesus to do something miraculous, like this story is called Jesus Feeds the 5,000. Like, we know that Jesus is going to do something incredible. So we're like, where were the disciples at, man? Like, they should have had so much more faith. If we were in that circumstance, I'm sure we would have done the same thing. That we were looking at the situation and saying, hey, they're hungry. Go find food. This is what we would have done if we were in their shoes as well. What we need to ask ourselves is, how often do we look for the answer in something other than Jesus? How often do we look for the answer in something other than Jesus? Are we only people who look at the practical? Are we only the people who, only people who look at what's realistic or what's common? The second question would be, how often do we point people to people, other people towards a solution other than Jesus? It's not necessarily intentionally like don't look at Jesus for your answers, but our first um, response to situations isn't like, why don't we pray about it? Why don't we ask what the Lord wants us to do? Like all of those things. And I'm not saying that every time you're hungry, you're like, Lord, do you want to send manna from heaven right now? Like there, there's a practical side of this. But, and, and hear me, like I know that we're talking 
about food here. Like the disciples weren't sinning. There's like, they weren't in sin because their first reaction wasn't like, Hey Lord, why don't you pull a miracle out of your hat and feed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But Jesus's response to them is what's going to issue a challenge to them. And it's a challenge to us as well. Verse 16, this is Jesus's response to the disciples saying, send them away so they can go get food. Jesus says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. So the next point this week is you. You. Jesus does not say, they don't need to go away. I will give them something to eat. He says, you give them something to eat. At any moment during any part of history, I think it's really important that we understand that God could. God could have blank. God could heal. God could completely wipe out people that we don't like. God could end war. He could end famine. He could destroy the world and start over. Like the God could have, but he didn't. And this is why, because from the beginning of creation, from the moment he created humanity, he desired to be co-laborers and partners with us. So in this moment, the disciples get to respond. And don't you love that we get the opportunity to respond, that we get to be people who respond to what God is asking us to do? Unfortunately, we're human. We're broken, fallible. Um, Our responses aren't always great. And the disciples' response here in verse 17 is going to be really, really authentic, but it's also going to be very, very human. The disciples said, but we only have five loaves and two fish here. But we only have five loaves and two fish here. Bread reference. Check the box. Five loaves. Okay, we got it. Bread, symbols. Here we go. But we only have. That's their response. And I wonder how many times in my own life has God asked something of me and my response is, but. But I'm just me. But we're not ready. But... They seem better qualified, but it's risky. But, but, but. My prayer for my own life, your lives, our lives, the collective life of this community, is that we would not be people who lead with the doubt in what we have to offer, but that we would lead with the faith that we have in what he has to offer. Here's the thing. The disciple's solution was practical. It was practical. Not supernatural. And I truly believe that there has to be room for both. But would we realize that sometimes we have to step out of our solutions and into his solutions? That we have to get out of our human capacity and ask God to give us a supernatural capacity to look at a situation and say, is there something that God wants to do here? It's probably not going to be feeding 5,000 people. It might be. It might be something a lot simpler. But would we stop and pause, look to Jesus and say, what do you want to do through this situation? Is there something supernatural that you want to do? Or is this simply something that we need to handle in a practical way? Let's read the rest of the passage in its entirety. And then we'll come back and look at a couple specific things. Verses 18 through 21, it says this, bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. 
He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up twelve baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. So this could have been way more people. If you read different commentaries, some people say 8,000 people. Some people say 10,000 people. What we do know is there's about 5,000 men, not including women and children. This is incredible. This is an unbelievable miracle. What I love is that Jesus did not respond with, you're right, five loaves, two fish, that's not enough food, or in anger. Jesus responds with, bring it to me. Bring them to me. So the next point is this, bring what you have to Jesus, bring what you have to Jesus, what you have, what I have might not be much, but God can do super supernatural things with it. We cannot waste our time thinking about how small our gifts are. There is no fruit in that. The prophet Zechariah says, do not despise humble beginnings. I love that. I love that. Do not despise humble beginnings beginnings. What we can do is identify that which we do have, that which has been entrusted to us, that which we are gifted in, and we can bring it to God and watch God do the impossible with it. Because here's the unfortunate truth. Our callings will always be bigger than our qualifications. Let me say that again. Our callings will always be bigger than our qualifications. I, I fell into being a pastor a little bit. I thought I wanted to do this when I was in high school. I took a really long route to get into ministry. I didn't go to school for this. I have a degree in communications. I don't have a degree in ministry. Like there, there are a lot of reasons why I feel personally, I'm like, man, I'm so underqualified for this job. And I felt that for 10 years that, you know, you come up against a situation or a, or a, a struggle and you're just like, man, I'm so underqualified. Like some, somebody else should be in this position. Like just really, really like underselling what God wants to do through my life. And in January, I got a new position. I uh, took a job with our denominational district and I get to hang out and oversee and pastor around 288 churches with a team of three of us. And, um, so blessed to be a part of that. But when I was asked to take that position to pastor other next-gen pastors, um, man, my first response is not me, not me. And as I'm praying through it, as I'm thinking about if I want to take this this role, Jesus is like, yeah, you, <laughs> because I want to do something through you. So our callings are always bigger than our qualifications, but our God is always bigger than our callings. It's not about us. It's about him. So would we be people when we know that God wants us to say yes to something, say yes to it because we're not leading with our doubts in what we bring to the table, right? We're leading with our faith in what Jesus brings to the table. I love that this scripture highlights the fact that Jesus looks to heaven as he blesses the bread and the fish, signifying that even as Jesus, even as the son of God, he is recognizing that his power comes through the father. Would we be, would we be people who bring everything that we have to Jesus, our qualifications, how big or how small they are, our gifts, no matter how big or how small they are. And would we watch him utilize it? And then when he does, would we push all of the glory back on to him? We've all watched an award show or like watched an interview after a game and the winning team gets interviewed, like whatever it is. And they're like, hey, like tell us what happened, whatever. And they're like, hey, first of all, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, like all glory to him. 
I don't know how authentic, uh, how authentic that is. I hope that it's very, very authentic, but it doesn't really, I mean, it matters, but to me, for me, it's not good for me to project or determine whether that's authentic or not. The call on my life is to make sure that it is authentic in my life, that I would constantly be pushing the glory back onto God, that it would not be about me. Because this is what's crazy about being human, is that we we undersell ourselves. We, we, we act like we're not qualified, but then when we get to do something and we're successful in something, we take pride in it, and we become prideful. Like we are backwards. Like it is crazy. Humanity is just broken. So what we do is we say, Lord, I'm going to lean into who you are and what you want to do through me. And when you use me, when you do things, all glory to God. And how we communicate that is always going to look different. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be hyper spiritual. If you're a barista, it's not like every time you make a cup of coffee, you like hand it to somebody and they're like, wow, this is really good. And you're like, yeah, I know all glory to God. And they're like, all right, like that's, that's enough. Like we don't need that. That's a little bit too much. Like, right. Like that's not how we're going to do that, but we do need to in our, in our own lives, figure out how we push all of our thankfulness and all of our things, all of our glory on to Jesus, on to the father. I also love that it says that Jesus broke the bread and fish and then he gave it to the disciples and then they gave it to the people. You see the little that the disciples had was not a lot, but now it was much. Not because of anything that they did, but because of what he did. And this just brings us back to the fact that God has a desire for us to play a part. Jesus didn't just have them sit back and watch him feed people. He used them as an extension of the miracle. And that is absolutely incredible. He could have just like rained down uh, fish and bread from heaven, um, pulled an Old Testament miracle and just rained it down on top of the people and been like, look how amazing I am. But instead, he blesses it, he breaks it. He hands it to the disciples and the disciples get to feed the people. Like That is absolutely incredible. They got to be an extension of the miracle of Jesus. And, and I just want to tell you today, Jesus wants us in 2022 to be the extension of his miracles, that we get to be his hands and feet. God doesn't need you. God wants you. Hear me say that. God doesn't need us, but he desperately, desperately wants us. And I cannot think of anything better than being wanted by the very God that created me. Let's wrap up with this simple truth. There were leftovers. There were leftovers. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So the final point is this, immeasurably more, immeasurably more. Whatever we believe he can do in us, he can do more. Whatever we believe he can do through us, he can do more. He can do immeasurably more. I love this story because Jesus could have said, I'm going to feed people and it's going to be just enough food. And I, I just think about the disciples as they're walking around and they're handing out fish and loaves of bread to people. And it says that they were all, we all, they all ate until they were satisfied. So they're not ripping off like bite-sized pieces. Like they are getting a meal. All of these people, thousands and thousands of people are getting a meal. And they're walking around. And I just wonder, as the disciples are doing that, are they like, man, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be enough. I don't know if this is going to be enough. Like they're just like, how? I'm like, this group, okay, we got this group. Like move on to the next group. Like I don't know if it's going to be enough. And at what point do they go, oh man, like this is going to be more than enough. This is going to be more than enough. Like we're going to have leftovers. Like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Like we're going to have more than enough for these people. 
And I wonder when we are walking with Jesus 2,000 years later, as we watch God do what he does, would we have faith that God is going to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine? That it's not just going to be the thing we're asking for, but he's going to go above and beyond because God is bigger. God is so, so good. So, could we be people who lead with faith in who he is, not doubt in who we are, and watch him do more than we could ever ask or imagine? Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.